Today is Wednesday, August the 24th, 2022, and it's a great day to have a day here on the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. On today's show, we begin with Shane Beamer's Tuesday press conference as the Gamecocks sit just 10 days away from the start of the 2022 football season. Guys, I'll break down everything Shane Beamer said on Tuesday afternoon, some of his updates with the roster, some injury report to get into, all that much more. Also, we continue along with the 2022 Position Unit Preview Series. Guys, on today's show, we're talking the South Carolina Specialists heading into kickoff. First things first, we'll look at how the unit fared a season ago. Also, we'll meet the Specialists, talk most approved, best overall. Season will be successful if, and I'll give my overall grade for the unit as well. Also, we have your listener questions and a fantastic conversation with a good friend of mine, Brad Crawford of 24-7 Sports, as we break down all things Gamecocks football, including Spencer Rattler, his outlook for the 2022 season, prediction, most important games, recruiting, that side of things as well, guys. We have got a packed show for you here on this Wednesday. And of course, as always, it's brought to you by our friends over at Red Fox Roofing. Guys, Red Fox Roofing is a family-owned and operated residential roofing company born and raised in the Carolinas. They're proud South Carolina Gamecock fans servicing the local Columbia, Charleston, and most of the surrounding areas. They offer free inspections for storm damage, free same-day estimates for full roof replacements, and roof certifications for people getting ready to sell their homes. Also, guys, they know how important shingle quality is when it comes to your roof. That's why they use Atlas Shingles, which is the only shingle manufacturer on the market who's partnered with 3M and has a Scotch Guard protection on their shingles. They offer a lifetime algae-resistant warranty that your roof will never have those ugly black streaks from algae buildup. When it comes to the best possible pricing, guys, they've got you covered. Red Fox Roofing is going to be any written estimate and allows financing as well. They service every home as if it was theirs, and their attention to detail and customer service is truly what sets them apart. Guys, simply put, they always leave it better than they found it. Give them a call today at 843 364 3023. That's 843-364-3023 for all of your roofing needs. Guys, you can also follow find them on Facebook at Red Fox Roofing. Or if you have any questions, go to their website, redfoxroof.com. That's redfoxroof.com. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
Ladies and gents, boys and girls, happy Wednesday, happy hump day. Hope you're all doing well. I'm Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up Show. As always, appreciate you all tuning in. And we have got a packed show here on this Wednesday. I hope this show does find you well, no matter where you are, what you are doing. And I'll tell you this, when we're in the midst of the madness, right, and we stay go, 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 we stay full steam ahead, right, we stay in the present moment, we don't take a lot of time to reflect and look back and really dwell on where we are, you know, where we've been. But I'll tell you guys lately here, as we creep ever so close to kickoff now, just 10 days away, I've had a couple of moments over the last couple of days where it's hit me. And I've really just sat back and, and thought about the journey and how far we've come with TSUS and, and South Carolina football too, right? It's been interesting how South Carolina football has evolved and has grown and has positive momentum and, and is reaching heights or we feel is on the way to reaching heights that we once thought weren't possible. It's really special because I feel like here with the Spurs Up show and everything we're doing, we're sort of on a similar path and a similar trajectory. But I mentioned it on Behind the Beak if you watch the latest vlog. And I want to say it here yet again, guys, as we sit now just 10 days away from kickoff. Of course, tomorrow we will reach single digits. We're that close before we really dive into the madness, before we really get engulfed with game after game after game. I want to take a moment in the stillness and in the little bit of peace that we have left and just say thank you. I want to express gratitude for just a moment because for those of you who have been following for a really long time, you see what's going on and you understand how special it is, right? You understand how far we've come. For those of you who have just joined along the journey, hey, welcome. Welcome aboard. And I hope you enjoy and I hope you stay for quite a while. But I just want to say whether you're someone who just discovered TSUS yesterday or today, or you're someone who's been listening to the podcast since 2017, I want to say thank you all so much. I am extremely grateful for each and every single one of you, the love, the support, and it's felt all across the board, whether it be on the podcast, the live show, the merchandise, on social media, your DMs, your messages. I, I just want to say again, guys, you all mean the world, you know, and without you all, TSUS would not be what it is, what it's becoming. And, and we are geared up, man. I have to pinch myself sometimes because we are geared up for by far our biggest and our best football season yet. And how ironic and how perfect the timing is that I say that. And it feels like the Gamecocks might be on the cusp of something special on the field as well. Again, guys, appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you all so much. Again, we have got a lot to dive into, a lot to dissect. So let's go ahead. Before we do, guys, a couple quick updates. Of course, tonight, Welcome Home South Carolina Football Episode 3 will air tonight on ESPNU. As I've done the first two weeks, first two episodes, I will have a quick minute long or so reaction to the episode, but really excited. Hopefully there's some, there's some fall camp coverage or fall camp clips or fall clip camp content or whatever might have you. Hopefully there's some things from fall camp we can look at and, and have to watch. And again, ESPNU's done a solid job, and hopefully they don't cut us off early on this episode tonight. Also, guys, quick reminder, of course, we're back out at Carolina Ale House tomorrow night, Woodruff Road in Greenville, South Carolina. So really excited to hang out with my upstate Gamecocks. Again, we had a major success the first time around in downtown Greenville. So I hope to see all you out there and many, many more at Woodruff Road 
tomorrow night. Everything will get going at 6 o'clock, and you might be wondering, Chris, are we going to tune into Shane Beamer's call-in show? Yes, I will have my speaker. I'll have it connected to Bluetooth, and we can all tune in and listen to what Shane Beamer has to say. I'll also have my towels on hand, koozies on hand. We'll have the merchandise on hand, on sale for you guys. Uh, and we'll do a little Q&A around 7 or 7.30 or what have you. It'll be a great night yet again as the TSUS Tour comes to a close. And again, it's been a blessing. It's, it's been a major success. We've got just two more stops again tomorrow night at Woodrow Road and the next week, Tuesday night, Tuesday night at Harbison in Columbia, South Carolina for our final stop. But again, we'd love to see all my upstate Gamecocks, all my Greenville Gamecocks out there tomorrow night. Woodruff Road in Greenville all gets going at 6 o'clock. I'll be there around 5 or so if you want to come out early, but 6 o'clock, and we'll go into the night. Great night of fellowship and talking South kind of football as we get ready for this season. All right. Let's go ahead and dive into everything. We're going to start with Shane Beamer, his Tuesday press conference, as he spoke to the media yesterday and some notable updates. First thing on the injury side of things. And I tell you, you got to feel for this kid, man. Chad Terrell, it was learned he is out for the season as he has a torn ACL. Guys, the third time he's torn his ACL. And I tell you, it's unfortunate because it's probably one of those things where he's probably going to reconsider playing football after this. I mean, you, you get through an ACL tear, right? Good for you. You get through two of them, but a third one? And I don't want to speak for him, obviously. Of course, he'll be around the football team. He's got to figure out what he wants to do. But you just really feel for a kid like that, man. At some point, it becomes so mental, and you feel like, man, I've done everything I can to combat the adversity and overcome. But unfortunately, Chad Terrell, the Gamecocks tight end room, does take a hit as he is out for the season. Other than that, though, it does sound like the news – is pretty positive. Christian Beal Smith, Kai Kroger, those are the two players that are questionable for the game against Georgia State. Shane Beaver said he felt or he feels like they should be able to go, but they are questionable. I would assume Beal Smith nor Kroger will play. I just don't see the point in rushing those guys out there, especially when you look, you know, Beal Smith in the running back room. You feel like you've got plenty of bodies that can go and you don't need to hurry Beal Smith back for any reason. And then Kai Krogerman, the punter. Listen, I'm not trying to. We're talking specialists on this show today, right? I'm certainly not taking away the importance of what Kai Kroger does. But I'd like to think South Carolina has somebody on the roster that would be serviceable for just one week at the punter position. So those are the two guys that are questionable. Now, the good news, Marshawn Lloyd. Shane Beamer did update his status. He said that he practiced yesterday, is moving around well. He will be good to go. I know many folks were worried um, after the first scrimmage, obviously, because he sat out and there was reports of his foot and everything. Beamer said he's not worried about that foot. That foot's not bothering bothering him. He will be good to go. So great news on Marshawn Lloyd. And, and other things coming from the scrimmage, it sounds like Jordan Birch is good. Josh Van is good. All the guys mostly that were injured outside of Beal Smith and Kroger. And then, of course, Terrell obviously out for the season. But everyone else, it sounds like, will be good to go. And I'm sure that Shane Beamer will continue to get peppered with questions about about injuries or injury status, if you will, and who's available and who's not. And so we'll keep you updated with that. But it sounds like the health of the football team is in a pretty good spot right now. Also, finally, guys, Shane Beamer giving his pitch to all recruits by noting, not so subtly, that South Carolina, of course, has a home game September the 3rd against Georgia State. He mentioned teams like Clemson, North Carolina, Georgia, some others, right, that do not have home games. He said, hey, if you're a recruit, and you want to watch somebody play a college football game, Columbia is a great place to do it, and we will be at home. Of course, guys, I'm paraphrasing. He did not mention the teams I just told you. He did not mention those teams by name in his presser, but basically insinuating, hey, all recruits out there, 
We're playing in Columbia. Y'all come on by. Y'all come on watch. Again, Shane Beamer doing everything he can to continue to stay hot on the recruiting trail. Other than that, nothing really major. He did talk about the scrimmage. Um, it sounds like things went pretty well. Uh, Spencer Rattler obviously continued to come along. A lot of positive pub for Luke Doty, which, again, you continue to pull for a kid like that. Hopefully, he will have an impact some way for the Gamecocks. Maybe not this season, but down the road in the Garnet and Black. But overall, I think all positives and all good things. And, and certainly, this week kind of serves what's interesting. This week serves – as like a mock game week, right? With the Tuesday presser yesterday, you've got the call-in show tomorrow, just like you'll have every single week. And guys, I was going to say, and I'll tell you this, the Wednesday podcasts in season, we're going to talk gambling heavy, heavily like normal, right? We're going to do SEC gambling picks. We're going to do best bet, but we're also going to talk Shane Beamer and his press conference and the takeaways from that, anything he says, and I'm sure there'll be many notable things to talk about throughout the season. But uh, overall, status quo for the Tuesday press conference uh, sounds good. Everything on the injury front, most everyone, it sounds like, is good to go. And again, I know there will be continued updates on that side of things, which, of course, we will keep you up to date with that. Guys, let's move into the position unit preview series as that rolls on today, guys. We are talking the Gamecock specialists. We're showing the special teamers a little bit of love here on this hump day. And a very intriguing group, guys. First, let's look back at how they fared a season ago. Of course, the big storyline was Parker White, right, as he set the record for South Carolina, the all-time points leader in school history. What a great year he had, a final season, 16 for 17, 94% of his kicks he made. Um, the only kick he missed was between 30 and 39 yards. Every other kick, he even had a 50-yarder, a 54-yarder last year. He did have one blocked, and that was his only miss. The one was blocked that he did miss. So a fantastic year for Parker White. Kai Kroger also holding his own, doing his thing. TSUS athlete, shout out to Kai Kroger. A 42.9 average, had along a 73. And for some reason, I don't remember which game that was in. I had 14 punts go over 50 yards. So again, he was a weapon for the Gamecocks a season ago. Um, and you look at, you know, the beginning of Beamer Ball. And that was the thing last year I thought was really interesting that did not get talked about was the fact that Beamer Ball was taking over Columbia, South Carolina. And for a football team, especially in year one, this really, I think, guys, carries over to year two. A football team that, you know, you talk about the facets of the game, offense, defense, special teams. And when you're trying to play above maybe your talent level or you're trying to pull some big upsets, if you can steal that special teams facet right, if you can block a punt, block a field goal, get big returns, it can change a football game and give you a leg up in a game maybe you weren't expected to have a leg up in. Of course, the Gamecocks last year did have three punts blocked, but it was a little disappointing on the return game side of things because you look last year, I mean, listen, Josh Van was serviceable. But in total, there were only nine returns to the Gamecocks last year for 68 total yards, 7.6 yards return. The Gamecocks also allowed a punt return for a touchdown. Of course, that was at Texas A&M, a 95-yard return for a touchdown. And you look, off, look at kickoff returns, 20 total returns. Juju McDowell pulling in 15 of them, but 20 total returns, 479 yards, a 24-yard Average did not score any of those. Really good in coverage, though. 25 returns for 456 yards, just an 18.2-yard average. So overall, we felt Beamer ball just a little bit, but I think as the talent level continues to increase, I think you'll see better players in the special teams game, thus resulting in bigger results for the special teamers, if that makes sense. All right, let's meet the specialists for this year 
for the Gamecocks. And we'll start with place kicker, the freshman, Daniel Lester, junior place kicker, Mitch Jeter, junior punter, Kai Kroger, redshirt freshman punter, William Joyce. We then move to redshirt junior long snapper, Matthew Bailey, redshirt sophomore long snapper, Hunter Rogers, redshirt sophomore long snapper, Cole Rasmussen, and then finally, redshirt junior kicker and punter, Alex Herrera. So again, those are your specialists coming into this season. Let's move into most approved, best overall season will be successful if, and I'll give my overall grade for the unit as well. Now, when you're talking most approved, right? This one's pretty simple because anytime you're losing the all-time points leader in school history, that is where the question marks are going to lie. What's so interesting, I wonder if there's ever been a team to do this, but certainly this has got to be the only scenario in college football where the Gamecocks, for the second time, right, back-to-back kickers, for the second time, they are replacing an all-time points leader, right, because it was Parker White that was replacing Elliot Fry, and now somebody else has got to replace Parker White. So a really interesting set of circumstances, and you could say that after Fry and White, the expectations for the next kicker are really high. Now, again, what's so interesting, we've been through this before. So we have felt how it can be a rocky transition, how it can be sort of an up and down, you know, a mix of uh, mix of results, if you will, because you guys might recall, like Parker White, we all know him now as the all-time points leader, had a great career, did this, did that. He was, it was a very rough start for Parker White, right? You had a new holder as well, new snapper, which plays into it, but it was a very rough start, right? Missed his first couple of kicks. His first made kick was against Louisiana Tech to win the game back in 2017. So there's no guarantee that it's going to be smooth sailing anytime you have a major transition like this, although it should help the Gamecocks. They've got I think the best holder in college football back in Kai Kroger, and they've got their long snapper, Matthew Bailey, back as well. But the most to prove here, guys, you're replacing a legend. You're replacing an all-time points leader. It's got to be Mitch Jeter, your new kicker. And I think it will be Mitch Jeter that will win the job. He doesn't have to break the record, right? He, he doesn't have to be a record holder. He simply needs to be consistent because, again, Kickers, punters, specialists, you know, most fans don't think about this facet of the game. They don't think about these guys. They don't think about them until they're not doing their job, until they're missing kicks, until they're shanking punts, until they're snapping a ball over somebody's head, right? So, you know, it's been a position we really haven't had to worry about. We've almost taken for granted because Parker White was so good. But now it's on Mitch Jeter. Again, I think he's going to win the job. I think he's got all the potential. I think he's got all the talent in the world. But it's about doing it on Saturdays, under the lights, on game day. Can he do it? Certainly Mitch Jeter has the most to prove when it comes to this group. Let's talk best overall. And again, guys, this one's really simple as well. He's a TSUS athlete and an all-conference type of punter. Of course, I'm talking punter Kai Kroger is the best overall of this group. And also, guys, like I mentioned, the best holder, I think, in college ball. You look at the clips last year, what he did, basically saved the East Carolina game because of his skills holding the football. Again, you look at Kai last year, guys, like I said, a 42.9-yard average. I think certainly once he comes back from injury, Kai Kroger can really be a weapon for this Gamecock special teams. He's a guy that can flip the field, a defense that's doing everything they can, right? Flip the field for your defense. Um you know, set themselves up for success. And again, he did that multiple times a season ago. Kai Kruger, again, we're blessed to have one of the best punters. I think the best punter in the SEC. And like I mentioned, he's a TSUS athlete. So of course he's got to fall in the category of best overall when it comes to the specialists. Guys, let's move into season will be successful if what will spell a successful season with this group. And guys, again, it's really simple. 
it goes back to Mitch Jeter. And, and simply put, if Mitch Jeter can just become a dependable replacement, just a dependable option for the departure or the 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 void that Parker White left. If Mitch Jeter can be that guy on a week in week out basis, you can turn to because here's the thing. We don't want to be kicking a lot of field goals, right? We don't, we want to be scoring touchdowns, but guys, it's inevitable, right? You're going to have to kick field goals. You need to kick field goals and get points. Again, this guy doesn't need to be a record setter, right? He doesn't have to make a hundred percent of his kicks, but Mitch Jeter just needs to be a guy that on a weekend, week out basis. Again, if we want to kick a field goal, we can turn to and say, it is more likely than not, he's going to make this kick. So again, if Jeter can just be a dependable replacement for the Gamecocks, if he can somewhat fill that void, fill the shoes of Parker White that he left over, I think it will be a successful year. I expect Kai Kroger to do his thing. I do think the return game will get better because I think you have more options in regards to athletes. Um, I expect coverage game to be just as good. And again, I would expect the guys, the Gamecocks, to block a few punts, maybe block a kick or two this year. I think Beamer ball will be felt yet again. You've got Shane Beamer. You've got Pete Limbo. I think it's probably maybe the, the most well-coached group in the entire country. I think you're going to continue to see special teams be a special part of South Carolina football moving forward. But again, I just think as long as Jeter can hold his own, I think the rest of the specialists and the rest of the special teams will be a plus for South Carolina football this year guys let's move into the overall grade how do we grade this unit going in the 2022 season and guys again anytime you lose someone who's a record setter i don't care if it's a specialist it's a receiver quarterback defensive guy whatever there's probably going to be somewhat of a transition period very rarely is it just some seamless transition and you don't feel the effects of someone like that leaving with that being said you know, I think it'll be somewhat of a mixed bag. I'm confident in Jeter, but we just don't know, right? Until we see it happen, it's a major question mark. Outside of that, I think special teams is solid. I think special teams is a strength, but it is a big void and a big question when you replace Parker White. For that reason, I'm giving the Gamecock specialist an overall grade of a B. I, I think it's solid. I think there's a major question, but I think it's solid overall. I don't see the specialists or special teams losing South Carolina a football game. I don't think we look at this season and say, oh my God, well, it was just special teams that was the undoing of this football team in that game. I don't see that happening, but it will be interesting to see just how quickly Mitch Jeter can adjust and sort of become that guy for the Gamecocks. Because again, it is a major void that has been left. So uh, that is my grade, guys. I'd love to hear from you. And that is my overall breakdown of the South Carolina specialists going into the 2022 football season. Again, I feel very confident about this group. Anytime you've got Shane Beamer and guys, we all rot in the merch and I, I tout it right, Beamer ball to the moon. Well, what is Beamer ball, right? What is beer ball? Of course, it's special teams. It's special teams. So we should be confident in the special teams under Shane Beamer, under Pete Limbo. Again, guys, I think one of the most well-coached units in the entire country, and I think we will yet again see that uh, this fall as well. Um, guys, let's get into your listener questions if I can. Here we go. If I can find them, here they are. Uh, we got a couple of questions. Here we go. Krusty Andy says, which one of our guys could kick a football over a mountain? Got to be Kai Kroger, dude. It's got to be Kai Kroger. I'm taking Kai. Uh, Zach Anderson, 182, says, need a game-winning field goal at 54 yards. Who are you picking out of Suckup, Fry, and White? I'm going Ryan Suckup, no question. No question. He's by far got the strongest leg. Uh, T. Anderson, 005, who do you think gets the starting play scare job? Again, I think it's Mitch Jeter. I do think it's Mitch Jeter's job to lose. Uh, let's see. 
Kaysen Atkinson underscore says, Mitch, I think this question's for Mitch Jeter. Mitch, what's the secret to having all this drip? Well, I can't really speak for Mitch Jeter, although I, I will say I'm just looking at this specialist photo and hey, Mitch has got hella drip. Give him credit. Mitch Jeter's got some hella drip. So I don't know if Mitch is going to want wants to reach out and maybe Mitch, if you want to like reply to our, our our post or our tweets or whatever and just just at your boy and let him know how you have so much drip. The guy's dripping swag over here. You can let him know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, our kicker's a dripped-out dude, man. It feels good to be good for sure. Uh, last question, Holden underscore Stagall says, what do you think about our chances against Clemson this year? Great final question, Holden, because I got the Gamecocks beating Clemson. And you should know that. I feel like I've been touting that all preseason long. Guys, hey, thank you all so much for the questions, man. I appreciate appreciate you guys always being engaging with the show. Really, really great stuff. And again, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the specialists and everything also that Shane Beamer had to say at his Tuesday press conference. All right, hey, we got a great conversation upcoming. Do not go anywhere. Brad Crawford of 24-7 Sports. Of course, guys, our combo is brought to you by the best real estate agent in the local Columbia area. Guys, if you're looking for a real estate agent, look no further than Marissa Kennedy, realtor and founding member of the Patrick O'Connor team with Coldwell Banker. And guys, she's on the best team in the local Columbia area as well. And the proof is in the numbers because this team has helped over 250 families last year. Guys, they work with both buyers and sellers in Columbia and the surrounding areas. They do premium advertising to sell your home faster with high-quality pictures and video. And last year, guys, they sold homes for, on average, 5.4% more than the competition. Now, guys, right now we're in a seller's market, but Marissa's able to get buyers under contract and in new homes by being available to show the homes as soon as they hit the market, collaborating with listing agents to write offers that meet the needs and wants of the sellers, and keeping up clear communication throughout the entire process to ensure that you make it to the closing table without a hitch. Guys, give Marissa a call today, 803-406-1800. That's 803-406-1800. And go like her on Facebook as well, at Marissa Kennedy Realtor. That's at Marissa Kennedy Realtor on Facebook. Again, guys, if you're looking for a real estate agent, you're lo the local Columbia area, look no further than Marissa Kennedy, realtor and founding member of the Patrick O'Connor team with Colwell Banker. And be sure to tell her that Chris from the Spurs Up show sent you. Guys, again, thank you all so much tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support. And enjoy this conversation with Brad Crawford of 24-7 Sports. All right, guys, joining us on the Spurs Up show. Very excited. You're very well familiar with him if you know SEC football and, of course, Gamecocks football. A good friend of mine, Brad Crawford of 24-7 Sports. And, Brad, I want to say this. Because I was just thinking about this just before we went on air. And I want to say how grateful I am that I have the opportunity to speak with you. Because I think back, man, our first ever conversation back during football season of what, 2017, I think it was. Long time. And to think, yeah, to think how both how far both of us have come. And uh, you've been someone, you know, that was very, very early on. I, I was, I was um you know, much more near the beginning of my journey than I am now. And you were someone that's, I, I get to say that all to say that you've always been a friend of mine and been good to me and always been willing to come on the show and talk ball and feel very fortunate and grateful and uh, very blessed that we sit here now just 11 days away until a Gamecocks kick off. And, you know, we're talking football and, and everything's operating at an optimal level. But uh, again, man, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. Appreciate you doing this. I'm really excited to chat once again, talking some uh, SEC and South Carolina football. Yeah, man. I remember when Spurs Up show had like, in the teens follow counts on Instagram yeah, and Twitter. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, what, what's this, what's this Chris Phillips guy <laughs> doing here? You know, trying to jump in this uh, Gamecock media realm. And 
man, last five years or so, five or six years, you, you've killed it. You've built your brand, man. Um, everybody I speak to in and around that program and, and fans alike, I mean, they really respect what you do and, you know, daily, daily content and, uh, you know, foot on the gas pedal year round. So I appreciate you and, and our personal friendship as well, man. Yeah, man, Brad, I appreciate you greatly. And I will say this, I know you've dove into the video side of things. As I was telling you off air, I got to step my setup game up behind me. Yeah, you man. got it. You got it rocking. I see the Gamecock helmet, obviously, though. You got the, the SEC helmets, even a little Oregon helmet there in the corner. Top, I got top got gun the poster, top gun yeah. poster above Dude. my head. I mean, hey. Yeah, I love that, man. I love that. You're crushing it. Hey, let's go ahead and dive into everything, though, Brad. And I'm going to go ahead and just put you on the spot because you dropped your uh, predictions, projecting every team's final record for the 2022 season. And, of course, yeah. prediction season has been here for quite a while over the course of the summer. I've locked in the Gamecocks at 8-4, and 4-4 four, four and four in SEC play. You've got South Carolina at 7-5 and 4-4 and four and four in SEC play. And the thing that stood out to me, Brad, about your predictions, and I think I may have even texted you about this when they first came out, you've got the Gamecocks winning – Four straight SEC games down the stretch, uh, yeah. starting 0-4, but winning those last four, beating Mizzou, Vandy, Florida, and Tennessee to get to that seven-win mark and, again, that 500-conference record. Just talk about those predictions a little bit, how you came to those, and, again, rough first half of the season for the Gamecocks, but definitely finishing strong yet again in uh, in year two of Shane Beamer. Yeah, I think sort of following Shane's MO, you know, last season this Teams, you know, bowl hopes were kind of hanging the balance at the midseason point. And you saw a team that beat Florida and Auburn late to, you know, get to six wins and then ultimately, you know, winning that Mayo Bowl against North Carolina, which, by the way, that was the best game planned game during Shane Beamer's first season. Mm. I mean, to, to have to carry on Joyner, you know, with those several bowl practices they had to have him take all quarterback snaps, really doing it in disguise from media and UNC. That was real impressive. But yeah, getting back to your question, man, I've, I've got South Carolina winning those last four SEC games because I think it'll be a similar recipe. You know, I don't I don't think this offense under Marcus Satterfield and Spencer Rattler is going to be clicking on all cylinders in September, maybe the way some fans think it will be. I think Shane has sort of alluded to this after the first two scrimmages, you know. Um, red zone challenges right now, you know, Spencer's maybe not – getting the ball out of his hand fast enough. But this is a all-world transfer. I think all Gamecock fans, media members alike, back in December when Spencer Rattler announced he was going to South Carolina, everybody's like, you know, eyes open and jaws <laughs> dropped. You know, um, highest-rated quarterback ever to sign with the Gamecocks, and I think he's going to show that this season. W one of my bold predictions actually last, last week was I think Spencer Rattler is a one-and-done player in Columbia. I think his numbers are going to be that good that – He's going to impress NFL scouts enough that, you know, he's he's an early round pick in 2023. So seven and five is my finish. One game off of your eight and four. And I think I already know what that game is that we're differing on. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that in just a second. But you led me to my next point, Brad, which, of course, is Spencer Rattler. Like when you talk about this game, Cox football team, you have to start there. The most important position on the field. And I think Shane Beamer obviously recognized, hey, we can't have this quarterback carousel again. We've got to figure out the position under center. And did they ever? Um, you mentioned you believe he's going to be a one and done. I was just going to ask, what do you think expectations are and what do they set out for you for him this season? Because I, it's been a mixed bag nationally, right? I think there's some that that recognize the situation. They look at the situation he was in at Oklahoma and say it was a toxic deal with Lincoln Riley and then Caleb Williams comes in. It was just a flat out mess, right? Lincoln had one foot out the door there and, and they give him the benefit of the doubt. There are others that say, hey, this guy's overrated. But the bottom line is this, this time last year, Spencer Rattler was thought to be the favorite to win the Heisman Trophy, first round draft 
pick all world, everything, the golden child, if you will. Where do you fall on Spencer Rattler? How do you see his season playing out? Again, amongst Gamecock fans, there's some that say, you know, he's going to be an okay player. I've heard everything from, hey, he might break Dylan Thompson's single season passing yards record, which is 3,600 and something, which maybe could happen. I don't know that they're going to throw it quite that much, but maybe it could happen. Where do you fall, though, overall in regards to expectations and, and what you think we'll be seeing out of Rattler this season? Yeah, I think 3,000 yards, maybe 28 touchdown passes is sort of the threshold where if he goes above that, I think the Gamecocks can maybe get to your number eight wins. If he falls below that, you know, bordering on bowl eligibility might might be an issue because of this, you know, schedule toughness. But, you know, getting back to what you said about Rattler, as you know, Chris, I, I pretty much watched every one of Spencer Rattler's starts at OU. You know, I'm, I'm a national analyst for us at 24-7, and – I watch a lot of top 10 teams and Oklahoma's always been in that mix, you know, under Lincoln Riley prior to his departure. So Rattler's a guy that I've always respected. Um, he's always played well, man, in the games that I watch. And I don't really think he lost his starting job to Caleb Williams. It's just Caleb Williams played better in that Texas game. And I think Lincoln Riley, you know, as fear of a fan, you know, in you've, you've seen the fan base when a backup quarterback comes in, plays well for two quarters, they go nuts the next week. So uh, Caleb Williams is a five-star guy too, highly recruited. So I think Riley made the right decision. Maybe Rattler no longer fit that that scheme and offense that he wanted to run. Williams was a better pick. And, I mean, I think both programs worked out okay. I mean, Gamecocks got a player that they know Marcus Satterfield can finally run this scheme he wants to run. And, you know, going back to last season, this time in August, I mean, Shane Beamer entered the season with a, let's face it, a – card deck that was half full. I mean, he was down to, you know, two and 13 quarterbacks and Luke Doty injured. So I think Shane's very excited that for the first time, he's had a full spring practice, full summer and fall workouts to have a starting quarterback. He knew who QB1 was as soon as Rattler stepped on campus. Let's be honest. So, you know, eight months of this now, now we can see, you know, how Spencer fares in September and how he can kind of elevate and develop and mature this offense. You've got a preseason All-American in Cam Smith returning on the defensive side of defensive back. You've got Zach Pickens up front, Alex Huntley, who they're really high on, Jordan Birch, the former five-star. Sherrod Green returns for what feels like his 17th year of eligibility at linebacker. Um, and, and you replace the departed Jalen Foster with Devonnie Reed from Central Michigan, who, again, they're really high on coming from the transfer portal. What are you expecting from this South kind of defense? Brad, my only real major concern is that I feel like this was a defense – that heavily relied on turnovers last year, right, to change football games. Yeah. And you talk to anybody, turnovers can be a finicky thing, right? You don't want to say that it's not coaching and talent because certainly you need those. Those are right. recipes or those are ingredients to the recipe that are creating turnovers. But some of turnovers are just right place, right time. Some of turnovers are just dumb luck. How do you view this defense? Again, Clayton White overachieving, doing more with less. And I could argue he does have a more talented unit this season. Yeah, I think it's going to be hard to have, you know, the plus-minus turnover margin the Gamecocks established last year. I mean, unless Satterfield tells this offense, look, we're, we're playing ball control and we're just not going to turn it over. I, I, don't, I don't see that happening. I think tempo is going to change. And, and defensively, Clayton White, look, I mean, he teaches these guys to, you know, get these guys down and as they're going down, rip the ball out. They, they did a good job of that last year. Secondary made a bunch of plays when the ball's in the air. There are guys at the back end of that Gamecock defense, I think, that, you know, can be among the SEC leaders in picks. Obviously, Cam Smith, he's a guy who's not going to get thrown at much, just like J.C. Horn. 
Horn might not have had the individual stats at South Carolina. Part of that's because he was on an island over there by himself and teams did not throw his direction. But you look at a guy like R.J. Roderick, I mean, you know, his his film, let's face it, it's, it's bad sometimes. But he's a multi-year starter. Right. So this will probably be his best season as far as individual talent is concerned. And then Devonnie Reed, the transfer to Central Michigan, he's a guy every text message, every single day after practice, my phone gets blown up, dude, this guy is legit. Um, he's going to start. So he's a guy I think that's going to really add some physical presence in the back end. Um, David Spalding's a guy, too, who who's made plays in the past. So I think for this defense maybe to be better than it was last season, the front four and that pass rush has to be better. I talked to Zach Piggins in Atlanta, man, at SEC Media Days, and he believes Gamecock's pass rush can be just behind Bama and Georgia as far as production. So um, – there's your bulletin board material in Georgia State right there, right? But um, Bold. I mean, look, look, I mean, Zach's a former five-star. Jordan Burch's a former five-star. Right. It's, it's time for these guys to, you know, show that their recruiting rankings were were legit and accurate from, from our guys at 24-7 and, and really ball out this fall. Yeah, I think that's a major key, Brad, for this football team. I know we've talked about that again off air, just getting the most out of this five star, these five-star players because, yeah. you know, you, you don't want to say – it's interesting because I'm hesitant to say, you know, well, there's more pressure on a certain guy because of his star rating, but but there is, you know, especially when you're South Carolina and you don't get six, seven, five stars a year. So when you get them on campus, you really need them to deliver. Like a Marshawn Lloyd offensively, which, you know, that's a guy we're obviously hoping to see get the most out of uh, – this season, Brad, I want to go back to the schedule and, and just the way it breaks down. Cause again, you've got seven and five, four and four. I've got eight and four, four and four, what have you. But the way this schedule set up sets up is it's interesting. It's not really conducive to as big a year as I think could be possible with this roster just because of I where agree. you play certain yeah. teams. I mean, the way you open up, hey, we talk a lot about this offensive line, the woes it had last year, the defensive line couldn't stop the run. Well, there's nowhere to hide the first three weeks. Yeah. Georgia State coached by Sean Elliott, physical. Arkansas, extremely physical. And then Georgia is Georgia. So we're going to learn a lot up front, but you have that first three, the quote-unquote gauntlet, if you will. Then you soften it back up with Charlotte and SC State. Then you got Kentucky, which due to events over the last week and a half, it's had, that game's taken on a whole new life of its own. Oh, yeah. Um, then, then you go into a bye week, right? My question for you, I guess, is this, because, again, there's different parts of the schedule. The only thing I question about your schedule, Brad, and concerns me, you know, when you look at games on an individual basis and you break them down and you predict them, that's one thing. But you know how big momentum is in college football. And just like the psyche, these are 18 to 22-year-old kids, right? Like, it's all mental for them almost to some point. If South Carolina's sitting there at 3-4 and four and 0-4 oh and four in league play, like, I'm not doubting Shane Beamer as a head coach. I think he showed last year he was able to help this team overcome adversity. How does South Carolina get out of that hole and win four straight SEC games? Because you know as well as I do, you've got a great feel in this Gamecocks fan base. Yeah. It is going to be pure panic mode if this team's sitting at 3-4 and four and 0-4 oh and in league play. It's, it's going to take veteran leadership in that <laughs> locker room. I mean, Gamecocks had it last season with a few guys who are even still there. And, you know, going back to that early season, you know, three games stretched open the year. Look, if South Carolina goes to Fayetteville, Arkansas, and, and beats what I consider a preseason top 10 team, I know Arkansas is ranked in the 20s. On on my preseason ballot, they were they were top 10. I think Arkansas – Michael Bratton. Hey, Michael Bratton's got K.J. Jefferson, one of the Heisman. Winning the Heisman? He, he's, he's picking him to win wow, okay. the Heisman. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm not that high on K.J. <laughs> right now. But, yeah, look – 
Arkansas is a team I think can really challenge Bama, the top of the SEC West. I got Arkansas finishing ten and two, second in the West. So I'm I'm really high on the Hogs. But if Gamecocks go into Fayetteville and and win that game, I mean we're talking about maybe, you know now now the ceiling for Gamecocks is nine ten wins. So you know we we mention swing games all the time, Chris. Me, you and I have been, you know, followers of this program for a decade or more now, and. Swing games are huge every year, no matter who the coach is, what kind of personnel you have, where the games fall. Schedule favorability in the SEC means everything. You can ask Kirby Smart and Nick Saban the same thing. So Gamecocks start 2-0, and and then they host Georgia, possible college game day type atmosphere. I don't want to get ahead of myself because every Gamecock <laughs> fan, that's what they're known to do, get ahead of themselves. But, look, week, week two, um, you can't undervalue that game, and that's a game that I think will be won in the trenches. And Brad, that's what's so intriguing because I've taught my most important game of the season. And I label Arkansas not as the most important as the biggest swing game, but you talk to Gamecock fans, and again, you have the feel, the pulse of this fan base. And I mean, it's it's being labeled as by a lot of folks as the biggest game of the year. Cause you you could argue it's gonna set the tone for this season and what's realistic sure. and what's not. Again, I've got the game, the home date against Missouri, because believe it or not. People don't want to hear it. South Carolina has a three-game losing streak to the Tigers. There's a lot of negative very hard to fathom. It's hard to fathom, right, especially with their struggles overall. But I think Mizzou's the most important. I see Kentucky as the biggest inflection point. I think it's right there below Mizzou in regards to importance. How do you you label the games, if you will, you know, fairly, unfairly, whatever? How how do you label those games and and view those three I just mentioned? You know, you kind of mentioned how – you know, falling in an 0-4 SEC hole might might be damning to this team. And, you know, maybe bowl eligibility might be a concern, too, if, if they start the SEC slate 0-4. But that that Kentucky game, I think it's like week six. Mm, yeah. And that's the third SEC game of the year. That's that's a huge road game. I mean, because, yeah. you know, if, if you win that game at Commonwealth Stadium, then you go into the open week with your first SEC win, based on my projections, mm. and then you host Texas A&M the next week. So – this is a team that, you know, could could possibly, you know, get a rise of momentum by by beating Kentucky, um, starting to get off on the right foot against the Wildcats, man. It I think it's two and seven the last nine games of Kentucky. And I know Gamecock fans don't want to hear this. And from a national standpoint and even a you know, a micro level, uh, Kentucky has jumped South Carolina as far as SEC East Division pecking order. And to get back there, you have to start beating, you know, Mark Stoops on an annual basis. I think Shane Beamer can certainly do that. Um, I saw a stat today that I think UK is four and 23, their last 27 games against Florida, Georgia, and Tennessee. So Kentucky's not beating anybody else in the SEC besides <laughs> Missouri, Vanderbilt, and South Carolina. So uh, Gamecocks, like I said, have fallen behind the Wildcats. They they have to beat them this season to sort of change that narrative. But that's, that's a huge game for me. As I mentioned, Arkansas is a huge game. And I put the uh, Twitter poll question out, you know, a few weeks ago, which game is more winnable at Arkansas home against Georgia. And I can't believe I'm saying this because of the talent differential, but I think that week three game against Georgia is more winnable than week two at Arkansas. See, it's hard for me to wrap my brain around that, Brad. I I, I, I understand why I, you're I saying tell that you because, why, of, because of how bad the Gamecocks have been on the road. The, the, the splits are just terrible. They have been abysmal away from home. Well, that, and and that's why the Georgia game is more winnable than Arkansas because, look, so so Georgia replaces eight defensive starters mm-hmm. yeah. on a team that won the national championship. Um, week one against Oregon is not going to challenge them too much defensively. 
Bo Nix, we, we've seen who he is three years at Auburn. <laughs> um, I'm surprised Dan Lanning, who shut down Bo Nix last season, actually wanted Bo Nix at Oregon. That's, that's another question for another day, but um, that'll be Georgia's first true road game with, you know, like I said, eight new starters defensively. And, you know, don't don't let Marcus Satterfield and Spencer Rattler get early momentum against Georgia State and Arkansas, because if Gamecocks are 2-0 and coming into that game, then Rattler is going to be, you know, pretty much playing his re-coming out party, so to speak, against Georgia and a, a team that I think will challenge for national title this season. Yeah, Brad, I think you just answered my question, because what I was going to lead into is this out of the this schedule, if you will, what is the most winnable big upset game, if you will? And you look for statement wins, right? And those yeah. type of wins. I mean, you look last year, I think Auburn, Florida, the Mayo Bowl against UNC kind of served as statement wins in year one. I mean, it sounds like I, I've lost all hope for the game against A&M. The Aggies have just run through South yeah. Carolina. The games hadn't even been competitive. Uh, I have weird confidence against Clemson this year. I, you know, I've got South Carolina beating Clemson. That was more last Stadium. year. That, yeah. <laughs> that was me last year until South Carolina failed to score against Clemson's right. worst team in the decade. Very good point. But it, but it sounds like for you, Georgia is that game you look out out of this schedule and say, if South Carolina is going to pull a big upset, it is it is indeed going to be against the Dogs. Yeah, of of those four games against what I consider top ten teams, Arkansas included, I, I would say Georgia and A&M are their two games that, you know, I think South Carolina has a fighting chance in the second half. I, you know, like until South Carolina is is able to end that, what is it, seven or eight games good against Clemson? Seven games, I, yeah. I, I just can't pick that Palmetto Bowl win anymore. I mean, last, last year I was pretty confident that South Carolina was going to play well at home, mm-hmm. night game, it all set up right, and then Brent Venable comes into Columbia and shuts them out. So I think that's a very big game for the Gamecocks, not, not only from a national standpoint, but I think for Shane Beamer as well. I mean, if if South Carolina finishes seven and five again and then – you know, they get blown out at Clemson at the end of the year. I mean, how much of a success is that, right? So I think the Palmetto Bowl for every South Carolina fan is is huge every year. And, you know, those close to Shane Beamer himself included, I know he wants to win that game too. Yeah. And Brad, I think those of us that can see, see this season from a realistic scope understand too that again, you've picked seven and five, I've picked eight and four, whatever the record is, even if it's six and six, I feel like year two is almost more so about how you win and how you lose sure. versus. I mean, because if you go seven and five, like you mentioned, but the five losses are all just major blowouts, you know, you lose by 20 or 30 again to the likes of Georgia, A&M, Clemson. Like, what did you really accomplish? That was the biggest issue with year one. It wasn't the fact that you went seven and six, what, but it was like you got to the end of the season. The Mayo Bowl masked a lot of bad feelings about sure. year one. Because when you that's won, why, it that's was why really... bowl games matter. By the way, right, like, right, right. Everybody who says bowl games outside the New Year's Six don't matter. Tell it to Shane Beamer, man. Right. He he's used a Mayo Bowl win to have a top fifteen <laughs> class right now in recruiting. Yeah, and and then he convinces to carry on Joiner to stay after winning the bowl. I mean, you know, bowl bowl games will always matter. Right, right. But yeah, just again to the point, it's just how you win. I think matters because a lot of those victories last year. I mean. You beat ECU on a last-second field goal. You beat Troy by nine points. It takes a miracle from Zeb Nolan to beat Vanderbilt by a single point. Now, I think that, it, that was yeah. close to the four and eight. Yeah, right, right, exactly. It was close to the Vegas number over under three and a half. So I think this year seven and five. Some fans may look at that and go, eh. but if you go seven and five and you win impressively in non-conference, you beat Vandy the way you should. Maybe you beat Mizzou by a double digits, and you play the likes of Georgia A and M, Clemson close. It's going to feel a lot different, although you may have only won one more game. And let me tell you, case in point, 
Tennessee went seven and six last season, but it was a average seven forty point, points a game, and and it was a seven point <laughs> game at Alabama to start the fourth quarter. So definitely, how you lose games right. really does matter for perception of the program. Look, Shane Beamer can't afford to have any, you know four touchdown deficits in the second quarter against Tennessee. Tennessee is not that right. much better of a program right now than South Carolina. That that game's at home this year. I've I've got Tennessee finishing nine and three, but one of those losses coming in Columbia. So I'm I, I'm pretty high on the Vols too. But at, as you mentioned, Chris, it's you know seven and five, six and six. You know, you you are what your record says you are. That that's a fact. But you know, those of us who watch this sport closely, watch all these games every Saturday, you know, how you win and lose games also matters. And I think a few folks may maybe have voted, you know, Shane Beamer coach of the year last year, had he fared better against the Troys, the Vandys, and the ECUs of the world. Now, Brad, really quickly, just shifting gears to the recruiting side of things, because you did mention that. I mean, is there anybody out there that has more recruiting momentum than South Carolina? I mean, you get a big-time four-star defensive end over the weekend, and, and yeah. they're going up against the likes of, Georgia, sure. Florida, Michigan, like some big names for these guys. Just talk about what you're seeing from the Gamecocks and the recruiting show. And here's the thing. They're not done yet. They've still got some big fish out there they're trying to catch. I went to 24-7 Sports headquarters in Nashville last week, like before the Gamecocks got three four-stars in like a 48-hour span. And a lot of our recruiting insiders, some in South Florida, some in Georgia, a lot of those guys told me, just wait, man, Beamer's not done. And, you know, here we go a couple of guys, you know, right and left, four-star commits. I've I've been told five-star Nicholas Harbor, man, the, the interest in South Carolina is definitely real. I don't know where he'd play for this game, a Gamecock, whether, it's, you know, it's defensive end or tight end, wide receiver, but, you know, six four and a half, two thirty 230 with Olympic speed, you find a place for one of the best players <laughs> in the country. So if the Gamecocks are able to get a five-star, maybe three or four more fours and, you know, get to that top 10 class, we're, we're talking about a – difference-making cycle for Shane Beamer that, you know, Will Muschamp maybe wasn't able to get. So I think it's very impressive what Beamer's done in year two after a seven and six season. I mean, South Carolina wasn't a, you know, world beater last year, but it but it did finish the season hot. And like I said, man, they've rode that bowl season momentum, whereas a team like Michigan, despite winning the Big Ten and making the college football playoff, Michigan's outside the top ten right now in recruiting. So Jim Harbaugh could not use that momentum. Shane Beamer has. Yeah, and blue chip ratio, Brad, is what's really standing out to me is that Shane Beamer is creeping ever so close to that 50% mark, which, again, talking to Mark Ryan yesterday on our show, he mentioned that Spurrier was about a 29% clip, Muschamp about 31% right now in recruiting Beamer at a 48% clip. And, I mean, the stats will tell you that's what matters if you're trying to compete for a title and win big-time football games. Uh, Brad, I know we got to get you out of here. Last thing, though. A very intriguing opener for South Carolina. This is not EIU again where it feels like spring game 2.0. Sean Elliott and Georgia State are coming in to win, right? I mean, they are coming in expecting to win. They've got two Doak Walker Award watch list guys in their backfield, including former Gamecocks defensive back Jamias Williams. Jordan Strawn for South Carolina faces off against his old team. It's game one of Rattler Hell. We got new LED lights at Willie B. There are storylines all over the place for this one. How do you view that ball game? Because I've been cautioning fans, and, and you want to see South Carolina. I think it's important they look under, you know, in control. I'm not saying clicking on all cylinders, but they need to control that football game and win that football game and set the tone going into Arkansas. But I think this is one, Brad. I think there will be uncomfortable moments early in that game because, again, Georgia State's going to come to play, and if South Carolina is not prepared at the line of scrimmage on both sides, 
it could be a long day, and we could look up in the fourth quarter and say, oh, my goodness, we got a ball game on our hands. I don't I don't expect it to be that close, but, you know, <laughs> seeing, seeing the line at, at like 12 and a half right now, under two touchdowns, that, that's that's a little worrisome if if you're a Gamecocks fan. You know, this South Carolina should be able to dominate the line of scrimmage in this game. You know, I, I mean, Zach Pickens, like I said, has said that this is the third best front seven in the SEC. So we're going to see that week one if if that's the case. I, I think Georgia State is probably going to struggle running the football. If if they're able to get to that 175, 200-yard range, that's that's kind of the danger zone if if you're a Gamecocks fan. But, you know, I, I don't see South Carolina losing this season opener. I don't I don't see it being a seven-point game in the fourth quarter. With with that being said, like I mentioned in the opening, man, don't don't expect this offense to be clicking on all cylinders. I think you'll see a good mix of of running pass against this Georgia State front. And like you said, I mean, Sean Elliott is coming back to Williams Bryce. He didn't get the job. He's still a little salty over that, I'm sure. So um Gamecocks win that. But you know, as as you and I have seen, man, through all of our lifetime watching season openers, a lot of them are struggles, but the Gamecocks win the majority of them and just just get to week two, one and oh, and then focus on Arkansas. Yeah, I was going to say, Brad, we've watched enough Carolina football to know that sometimes in season openers, it just does not go. They normally win, but I recall not too long ago a time in 2007 when South Carolina gave up 270 yards rushing to Louisiana Lafayette and then turned around and beat Georgia and Athens week two. Sometimes it just doesn't make sense, man. Either way, that's the beauty. Of it. That's why we love it. That's why we love it. That's why we love it. Brad Crawford of 24-7 Sports. Brad, again, it's always a pleasure, my friend. I appreciate you doing this and look forward to chatting with you again here soon for sure. Thanks for having me, man. Anytime. Absolutely. He's Brad Crawford. I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in and we'll catch you next time on another episode of the Spurs Up Show. 